What's up, guys? Ryan Horn here, and welcome to the Extraordinary Man Podcast. This is the one and only podcast specifically designed to help married businessmen create more profit and purpose in their business without sacrificing their family, health, or marriage in the process. Each week, I interview some of the world's most extraordinary men, including seven- and eight-figure entrepreneurs, elite athletes, best-selling authors, and world-class speakers. Hey, what's up, guys? And today, I'm going to be giving you the recap episode of my interview with Dr. Charles Karuku. I call him Pastor Charles. I call him Pastor Charles on the interview. I'm going to call him Pastor Charles here because that's just how I know him. He was my pastor for five years. So if you're wondering why I'm calling him Pastor Charles and it says Dr. Charles, that's why. Pastor Charles has been a major influence in my life. I've had such amazing spiritual growth under his leadership, and I'm so grateful for everything he's done for me, and I am so grateful to call him a friend. All right, I got a lot to cover, so I'm going to jump in and give you a brief overview of his story first. As you can tell, if you listen to the actual interview, Pastor Charles has a little bit of an accent. It's because he is not from the U.S. He is originally from Kenya, born and raised there. And he was really born into a very difficult situation. So he never knew his dad. His dad was actually killed several months before he was born. His his mom didn't even know that she was pregnant at the time that his dad died. So he grew up without a dad, never knew his dad. And his mom already had five kids, so very difficult situation that he was born into. And he was born on a dirt floor, no doctor, and really grew up extremely poor, making a dollar a day and living off the earth. And, you know, they had rabbits and goats and chicken and really subsistence living, subsistence farming, and they never had money. But he talked about how happy he was because he had joy and family and fun and playing, and he had no idea how poor he was until later on, until he became an adult. And he talked about how his mom loved God, took them to church, and they went to this Baptist church that was started by an American, but he never really completely gave himself to God. And he had this teen rebellion stage, and then finally at age 18, he really fully gave his life to Jesus. And he went to college, became a high school teacher, and eventually realized that his calling was to become a pastor. And God gave him this vision of what he was going to do with him and and where he was going to take him. And really part of that vision was going to the U.S., and speaking to large crowds of people. And so in 1994, he said yes to God. And within two years, he was in the U.S. Now, it wasn't easy for him to get there, obviously. He was making $48 at the time as a teacher. And he had a friend from the U.S., sent him a letter. He applied to this Bible college in the U.S. And he needed to raise $650 plus an airline ticket to get to the U.S. and to be accepted into this school. And so he put his entire life savings into it, got friends and family to help, and he made it to the U.S. with $200 in his pocket. And that's kind of where he stopped on the podcast interview. I mean, he could have went into much more detail. I know the details of his story when he got to the U.S. It was not an easy journey when he got to the U.S. Obviously, $200 is not going to last you very long. Then I asked him how you discover your purpose. And this is what he said. He said, there are three days that are the most important days of your life. The day that you were born, the day you discover your purpose, and the day you take action on your purpose. And basically what he said is that only the manufacturer knows the purpose, right? So he gave an example of a car, right? If you're driving a Ford and something's wrong with it, you take it to a Ford dealer because they created it. So they know what it was made for and how it's supposed to work. 
right? So he talked about he found his purpose because he pursued God and because he gave himself to God. And through that relationship is how he found out what his true purpose was supposed to be because he was actually pursuing becoming a lawyer. That's what he wanted to do. But that was his purpose, not God's. And so eventually God showed him a different direction and he started taking baby steps towards that. And God showed him more and God showed him more. And he talked about how passion and purpose are connected. What do you do that when you do it, you feel like you're in your element, that you would do it even if you didn't get paid for it and then begin to take a small step. So when you do that, and especially if you're pursuing a deep relationship with Jesus, God is going to reveal to you what's next and what's next. He's probably not going to reveal it all to you at one time, but he will reveal the next step. And this was one of my favorite questions. I asked him what the biblical role of a man is. And he said, first of all, that a lot of men, they end up wrapping their identity up in what they do and they feel like that's their identity. But then if they fail in that role or in that thing, they feel bad. They feel like a failure. But when your identity is based on a relationship with God and not on your achievements, not on your accolades, then that changes everything. And so a few practical things he mentioned about the biblical role of a man. Number one, it's to discover your true identity and to discover your true purpose. And that comes through God. And then four other things that he mentioned is that as a man, you're called to be a provider, protector, prophet, and a priest. And he went into a little bit more detail about the prophet portion. Basically what that means to him is it's speaking hope and encouragement into your kids and building them up because the power of the voice of a father to his children is extremely, extremely important. And the lack of it can be devastating. And I asked him what it was like growing up without a dad and if it was hard for him to relate to God as a father because of that. And he said, yes, absolutely. And then it robs you of a lot of things unless you get healing from God, right? For him, it made him afraid. He had low self-esteem and he looked at God as a punitive God. You know, he, he described what he thought of God before. You know, he's this big old guy with a big beard sitting with a stick, just waiting for him to make a mistake so he could punish him. But that's not how God really is. He's a loving father. And so if you have a father's wound, either because you grew up without a dad or you grew up with a dad who is maybe around, but he wasn't present, he wasn't intentional, he didn't speak positively into your life or maybe he spoke negatively into it, then you have a father's wound. And the only way you can get healing from that is through God. And next, I asked him about spiritual leadership and the role of a man as a spiritual leader for his family. And so he talked about you know, the, the two things he mentioned before, being a prophet and a priest, and how most men, they're really good at providing and protecting. But the prophet and the priest roles is where a lot of men struggle. And you need a relationship with God if you are going to be a priest for your family. right? One of the roles of a priest for your family is that you pray for your family. You pray with your family. Right. And as a man, you are called to be the priest of your home. And a lot of guys, and I used to be one of them, they don't like that role. They don't feel comfortable that, with that role. They don't know what to do. They say, how do I pray with my family? What do I pray about? What do I say? And it's really easy as guys to just kind of push that off and push that role to your wife. But that is not the way that God intended it. And then I asked Pastor Charles about his book. He wrote a book about three or four years ago called Forgiveness Therapy. And he told the backstory, which is incredibly powerful. So basically, God spoke to Pastor Charles and told him he has to forgive the man that killed his father because his father was actually murdered. He didn't die by accident. And he literally flew from the U.S. to Kenya, found this guy, met with him, 
and had an incredibly powerful conversation and he got closure about his father's death and all these things and literally went from worst enemies with this guy to best friends. And this was, you know, 40 plus years after that had happened. So this book is all about the lessons that he learned along that journey and how forgiveness is a choice. So next I asked him what his definition of faith is. And this is a tough question. There's lots of different ways you can go with this, right? And he, you know, he mentioned the Greek word for faith and he mentioned Hebrews 11:1, 1, which is faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But really what he said is if you break it all down, you know, you get away from the theological definitions, really what it is is knowing God knowing his character, his integrity, his ability, his power, and that he cannot fail. And of course, that faith comes by hearing from God. And then I asked him what an example from his own life is where he had to have faith. And he went into a lot more detail on this, but just really briefly what I'm going to say is part of what Pastor Charles is leading and involved with right now. It's called the Unity Movement. And one of the things they do is they build these hope houses in cities across America. And the goal of them is to, for people to get to know their neighbors, to create relationships, bless people, you know, with food, with clothes, do good for the community, essentially. And there's an urban mission from the Hope House. So really, the mission of the Hope House is to spread hope. And somebody called Pastor Charles up, and they're like, hey, we have this house, you know, fits your parameters, it's $500,000, and... Pastor Charles was like, okay, well, you know, let me pray about it. I'll get back to you. He prayed, asked God if he should pursue it. And God said, yes, uh, they didn't have the 500,000. So he called the guy up. He's like, yes, we want it. And he said, okay, I need $125,000 by next month. And he didn't have the money, right? But he said yes to God and held on to his promise. And he took action on it, right? He said, yes, we want it, even though he didn't have the money because he knew God said, yes, I want you to pursue after this. And literally, miraculously, I think it was the same day he checked his mailbox and he had a check for $104,000, like out of nowhere. And so by next month, they had $170,000, way more than what they needed for the down payment on it. And just a great example of how God provides and how you just got to listen to God. Like if he tells you to pursue after something, but in the natural, it doesn't seem to make sense. Guess what? God is a supernatural God. He will make a way and he will provide. So I love that story. Great example. And I also briefly mentioned the unity movement, which Pastor Charles founded. He's the president of essentially what happened is Pastor Charles was pastoring a church and he had been for 20 years, 2020 here in Minneapolis, the death of George Floyd. Everybody knows what happened with that and the chaos and the rioting and him and his wife went to ground zero of where everything happened, where all the riots were happening, everything. And they went there and he literally grabbed a bullhorn and he started speaking about unity, about healing, about reconciliation. His wife is white, so they are a biracial family. And it was amazing. He saw reconciliation happening right before his eyes. And they went back every single day for, I think it was two or three months straight. And he felt like God was calling him to something new, to unite communities and transform communities. And the media started picking up on his story that, hey, the riot has turned to revival. There were people getting saved. There were people getting baptized. And he started getting invites to go to cities around the U.S. And in the year and a half 
since that happened, he's been to, I think on the podcast, he said 135 cities, but it's been more than that now by the time this episode has gone out. So it's amazing. It's been really cool to see how God has been using him and and what he's done over the past year and a half. And like I mentioned earlier as well, they also do some work locally. So they, they work with Teen Challenge and local churches. They have partnerships. I mentioned the Hope Houses already and the goal of them. And so really, really cool what they're doing. And I'll let you know at the end where you can go to find out more about the unity movement and what Pastor Charles is doing. And next, I asked him a question that I was actually really excited to ask him because never asked him before and I had no clue what his answer was going to be. I asked him what some of his favorite Bible verses are. And basically, no hesitation, what he said, his favorite is Genesis 1.28, which I'll read it for you quick. It says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And the reason he loves it is because that is God's original purpose for man. This was this was the command given to Adam, to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth, and to have dominion over it. And that verse means an incredible amount to Brittany and I as well. That has actually been the anchor verse that we have used for our marriage. We had Pastor Charles actually read that at our wedding. He married us. And it is a really powerful verse. It's one of my favorite. I have it written on my whiteboard right in front of me. I'm looking at it right now. So it was really cool to find out that his favorite verse is essentially our favorite verse as well. And then lastly, I asked him what his definition of an extraordinary man is. And he said, it's a man who knows who he is by knowing who he belongs to. And that, look, having big muscles, being tall, having a lot of money in your bank account, that's not what makes an extraordinary man. It's an inside job. This was a power-packed episode, so I'm gonna say it again. If you've not listened to the full episode, you're doing yourself a disservice. So go back and make sure you listen to the full episode. If you wanna connect with Pastor Charles, you wanna find out what he's doing with the Unity Movement, how you could get him to come and speak in your city and everything else that he's doing, you can head to his website, which is charleskaruku.com, and I will make sure that there is a link down below in the show notes. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Extraordinary Man Podcast. Here's the thing, you're never going to maximize your potential on your own. So I'm personally inviting you to come and join me in the private Extraordinary Man Facebook group so you can level up your business and your life. Just head over to Facebook and type Extraordinary Man into the search box and it will show up as the first result. Iron sharpens iron and this is the number one place for you to connect with me and other like-minded men who are on a mission to maximize their potential. My goal is to help you become the man God created you to be in all areas of your life. So come and join us in the Facebook group and upgrade your business and your life. I'll see you on the next episode.